2: If you had the opportunity several years ago to catch Al Gore's Academy Award-winning film An Inconvenient Truth, and you've taken the time to study any of the claims that he made in said film, even on a casual basis, you'll perhaps draw one singular overriding conclusion, and that is that the one thing that seemed to be inconvenient to Al Gore was to tell the truth about anything related to climate change. We're pleased to have on the program a gentleman who's a background in climate and weather and telling the truth is a a long and proud one. He is a best-selling author. His latest book is entitled Echo Tyranny, How the Left's Green Agenda Will Dismantle America. Brian Sussman, great to have you on the program. Craig, thanks for the opportunity to speak with your audience on this very important topic, Give us a little bit of a background here based on the research that you've done. This whole idea of promoting a green agenda, while some would think it's a relatively new phenomenon in the last uh,
3: decade and a half or two, actually goes back much further than that. Sure does. You know, in the in the 1990s and the 1980s, I was a TV meteorologist here in the Bay Area. And I, initially I was I was accepting of the global warming theory that mankind's burning of fossil fuels was altering the climate. But then digging into the research, I became a skeptic. And eventually I became, well, more than a skeptic, Craig. I just did not buy the theory any longer. So that met, let me on a, on a course to write the book Climategate, which uncovered the global warming scam. It became a bestseller. While I was researching Climategate, I kept coming across all sorts of incredible information that was jaw-dropping that made me believe the entire environmental movement was based on a scam in that, yes, we all want clean air, we all want clean water. As Christian people, as people of faith, we know we are to be stewards of what God has graciously given us in terms of the resources on planet Earth. But the environmental movement isn't about that. It's, it's a political agenda. So, Craig, I'm reading uh, various thinkers who were some of the original thought leaders regarding the environment. And I got to two guys in Germany in 1883, two very, very creative writers, two guys that had quite an audience and were known for, one, hating capitalism and free markets, and also, two, uh, trying to, at one time or another, obliterate Christianity. So I'm reading these guys, and they came up with a theory. And their theory was capitalism, which they hated, produced pollution, both real and imagined. And that pollution, they theorized, what if it could change the Earth's climate and bring about global cooling and usher us into another ice age, in which case all of humanity and all life on planet Earth would die? So 1883, two thinkers in Germany come up with this theory. Capitalism's pollution is going to end the planet because of climate changes. Those two thinkers, Frederick Engels and Karl Marx, That's on page 31 of Eco Tyranny. And when I read that, Craig, I thought, okay, hold on a second. (laughs) The left has been playing this game with climate change for a long, long time. You know, what's astonishing about this is
2: it's, you know, the old saying about odd or unusual bedfellows, in the sense that we see aspects that, quite frankly, are holistically... And almost entirely of capitalist nature in the sense that let's not anybody kid each other here, uh, Brian. A a guy like Al Gore, for example, is making an awful lot of money on Mm -hmm. this. When You look at Mm -hmm. the whole concept behind cap and trade and you see the way all of this money is being shuffled around and how that it's a lot of it is frankly is just Plain old-fashioned wealth redistribution. You look at that and say, you know, there's aspects that is the dirtiest of the dirtiest when it comes to capitalism, or maybe even better put socialism. Mm-hmm. And then the other end of the continuum, we have good old-fashioned Marxist-Leninist communism. How do these two end up finding
3: each other working together on the same topic? Yeah, it's it's an amazing question. And again, the first half of Tyranny, I really unpacked this with hundreds of footnotes detailing uh, my thought process here. So you go from leftists who wanted to utilize the environment essentially as a scare tactic to end capitalism to where we are today with guys like Al Gore who are basically doing the same thing. Uh, Al Gore has always been a socialist in ideology. I don't think there's any question about that. And I really try to detail that by connecting all the dots, dotting all the I's, crossing all the T's in the book, as well as, as you just mentioned, lining his pockets with the green. And what we're finding in the United States and around the world now, a lot of people have seen the green movement as being a great way to score loads of cash. And therefore, they have to continue to promote this theory of global warming. So when, they, when we the hear green, dies, mo-
2: they're done. So, so then, Brian, when we hear the green movement, we think naturally of the environment. And when some of these selected individuals, like maybe some of the leadership in Solyndra mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or Al Gore, hears mm-hmm. green, the green they're thinking of is cash.
3: They're green. They're thinking of as cash. And something else. Uh, Al Gore, uh, s- some may think that he's not particularly the brightest light bulb in the shop. I- I'd say otherwise. He's, he's a very bright guy. He knows what he's been doing all these years. Uh, he's been pushing the socialist envelope. And when you read Eko you start to see what he did as the vice president of the United States, behind the scenes, uh, championing a lot of green causes, almost as if he were an ambassador from the United Nations to the United States of America. So he put a lot of policies in place, a lot of soft law policies that have now become a part of the fabric of America in order to change us from a capitalist society into a more of a redistributive economy, as well as at the same time lining his own pockets. So it's, it's just this glaring hypocrisy of people who are using capitalism for their own good, but at the same time saying the rest of us, well, we really don't know how to use it properly and maybe we don't even have the right to.
2: So it really is, uh, I guess, a, a polite way of saying influence peddling, that you utilize your position of authority uh, many years as a senator from Tennessee, his father mm-hmm. before him. I, I find it interesting no, you know these guys both concerned about what's going on in the, uh, the whole uh, protection of the planet coming from the state whose uh, top Two of the five largest cash crops are, are both crops that are meant to be rolled in smoke. That's always crazy <laughs> for the environment. And yet manipulation of federal law, of agendas, uh, deep involvement and influencing of the United Nations, all in an mm-hmm. eye toward sort of uh, resetting the terms of engagement, so to speak. And in the end, they end up uniquely, almost singularly, profiting from all of this. And meanwhile, the rest of us are told, use less gas, use less fossil fuels, start learning how to walk to work. Uh, we end up seeing then a significant downgrading of our lifestyle. Right. Meanwhile, Al Gore, while wringing his hands over America's collective urban footprint, all the while, was spending $35,000 a year. And I, I know you know this because we talked about this last time we were together on the program discussing your best-selling book, Climate Gate. That he was spending $35,000 a year to heat, cool, and light his Nashville suburban mansion, meanwhile telling the rest of us, you have to start using, um, I don't know, fluorescent light bulbs at home and walk to work.
3: Okay, and now you've, you've struck on something that's very important. This elitist mindset comes right from the bowels of Marx and Lenin. Uh, They came up with something called the laws of matter, and these laws of matter are believed entirely by uh, many leftists in this country. Well, I would say all leftists in this country today, especially in the hallowed halls of academia. But the laws of matter summed up just comes down to this. And again, these are atheists talking here, materialists who believe, you know, the material in you, atoms and molecules, is just arranged differently than the atoms and molecules in a tree or in a plant or in a banana slug. It's just material. That's all it is. So they believe that some humans are spit out of their womb with a better brain than others, and therefore those humans that have the better brain somehow have a right to the planet to lead those who have the lesser brain. Otherwise, those with the lesser brain left to their own devices will kill one another and destroy the planet. And by leading them, Karl Marx meant heavy regulation heavy laws, don't let these people get out of control, otherwise it's all over. So, you know, because you have the better brain, you're entitled to a little more. You can have a better lifestyle because, you know what, at the end of the day, you're worth it, pal, and that's how you can see them rationalize these wild lifestyles, even though they are champions of the environment. Total hypocrisy, but they believe it. Amazing how the sin nature of man is able to
2: ultimately justify all of that. If you've just joined us, the familiar voice with us today, a look at his new book, Echo tyranny: How the left's green agenda will dismantle America. Bay Area celebrated weatherman for many years, author of another best-selling book, Climate Gate, and he does something else too on the side. kind of a hobby, I think it is. Any rate, take a brief time out here,
1: and now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
2: And welcome back to the program, Craig Roberts, along with our guest today, decidedly bourgeoisie in his lifestyle choice. He is the author of bestsellers. Climategate, including his latest book, *Echo Tyranny. He's Brian Sussman. And Brian, just prior to the break, we were talking about this sense of the duplicity going on here, that mm-hmm. at some levels, while these two extremes of the continuum would probably never admit to working together in an ironic fashion, that seems exactly what they're doing. And, and a fair amount of it also tied into the promotion of a socialist agenda. Now, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time picking on the president. He does enough of that to himself. <laughs> uh, but when Barack Obama, for example, uh, during the last campaign is accusing George Bush of doing nothing to deal with, for example, the high cost of fuel, and yet here we are a scant three and a half years later, the cost of the pump is double of what it was three and a half years ago. And the president now insisting, well, look, there, there's no easy answer. There are no silver bullets, to quote the president doesn't
3: that seem to be a bit disingenuous? Yes, it does. And you're right, we don't need to pick on him, or maybe we could pick on him, but then pick on virtually every other president before him who's made some huge blunders when it comes to giving a little leeway to the environmental movement and then run, watching them run roughshod over everybody in their path. Um, but you're right, when you look at our natural resources here in this great land, and it is a great land, uh, we are so abundantly blessed. And yet our greatest competitor when it comes to, for example, what we call fossil fuel resources, and I'm specifically thinking of oil and natural gas, the Saudis look at us, and if we were to ever seriously tap what's underneath our own soil, as I always like to joke, the Saudis would soil their tunics. They would be so, they would be so upset because we'd be cutting into their massive uh, market share. So we, we estimate that there are... trillion barrels of recoverable oil in the United States. That's enough for us to run at present levels for well over 100 years. Uh, We have lots of oil. We have lots of natural gas. We have lots of land. But I just find it amazing, Craig, that when you look at our natural resources, oil, gas, when you look at our minerals, when you also take a look at the coal that we have. And by the way, a lot of this coal can be used as clean coal. Uh, And then you look at our water supplies. So much of these resources that belong to you and me, the people, this is our land, are locked up on federal lands. 700 million acres of federal land in this country. And this is something I address in eco-tyranny. The founders of this nature nation never intended for the United States to be in the land-holding business because they knew, based upon history, that he who owns the land owns the natural resources. And if it's a government, that government t- could decide to withhold those resources from the people, and then we'd be in trouble. Well, guess what, folks? We are here. The government is withholding our resources from us. So at the end of the day, it's not about the actual land. It's what's below the land. Essentially, it's a grab of the mineral rights. Grab of the mineral rights. And also, again, let's go back to the Karl Marx, Frederick Engels materialist theory in that we're all just atoms and molecules arranged differently. Uh, They see the wildlife, the plants, the animals as being on an even par with humans, although maybe even they think that humans are to be discriminated against. We may be even on some levels, but we're to be discriminated against because we're the only species that can kill all the others. And that's why they're out to protect species and take broad swaths of land and place it off limits to humans. So it's it's kind of a combination of all of the above, but it is antithetical to the plan God had in place for his people. Well, and what's amazing about all this, too, is the fashion in which Outright
2: propaganda, and you think about Soviet-style propaganda of the 1940s, 50s, during the Cold War, mm-hmm. uh, certainly the kind of propaganda that was really created and, and uh, perfected by the likes of a Goebbels during the uh, the years of Nazi Germany, right. who will try to convince you, well, look at the huge population explosion, for example. And This is completely unsustainable. Now, the fact that only 3%... Of the entire Earth's landmass is actually populated, only 3%, right. leaving 90%. Now, granted, some of it's, you know, covered with water, covered with sure. ice, and, you know, not all that hospitable toward uh, uh, populating. But nevertheless, only 3%, Brian. And yet, if you listen to the way they will tell the story, it would seem as if if one more child is born, that's it. We're just going to hit the critical mass, and there's no turning back.
3: Craig, I love those kind of statistical analogies. I'm serious. I I relish those. So let's take your 3% and let's boil it down to another way to look at it. You could take all of the people on the planet, put us shoulder to shoulder, you know, back to chest, just just stack us right close to one another. We could all fit inside the city limits of Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> now, granted, Jacksonville, Florida, it's it has a big, you know, it's a pretty big piece of real estate. But nonetheless, that tells you how <laughs> we're not taking up as much space as they, the left, and the Green Agenda would tell you. If you just joined our conversation tonight with us is Brian Sussman,
2: author of the new bestseller Eco-Tyranny, How the Left's Green Agenda Will Dismantle America. Let's grab a call here or two just before the break. We'll go first to um, South Bay. And Mark, good evening. You're on Lifeline with Craig Roberts and Brian Sussman. Welcome. Hey,
0: gentlemen. Uh, I just had a quick uh, comment. I was just wondering why you guys keep calling fossil fuel when when there's no way that there's, there were that many dinosaurs to uh, pump out that much oil.
2: Okay, Brian, you're more an expert on this than
3: I. What about that? Well, that's why if the caller was listening closely, I said so-called Fossil fuels earlier in the broadcast, because he 's right, I mean there was a time in our earlier thinking you know decades ago that we believed well all of this this oil, which is made of orga- it's organic it 's organic it 's organic material that led people to believe because it 's organic in fact that 's where the word organic stems from that it must be decomposed jungle materials, dinosaurs, etc. I think more and more people are beginning to realize that this is probably some kind of abiotic process, maybe even a process, and and Craig, the environmentalists do not like to hear this, perhaps even, now listen to my language, perhaps even a process whereby this oil is constantly being manufactured well below the surface of the earth. Thus, we may have an ever flowing uh, supply of this crude oil. Now,
2: Brian, if that were ever proven to be true, you realize to what extent you would throw their agenda absolutely. I mean, talk about a talk about an oil well-sized monkey wrench.
3: <laughs> it's true, and you know, again, it's theory. But I love throwing the theories out there. Let's blast holes at the theory. Let's test them accordingly, as opposed to the theory of anthropogenic, uh, anthropogenic global warming, which we're told we can no longer debate, as if it's law. Well, and this is the irony. We'll pick up this part of the conversation. We can come
2: back after a timeout, and that is that. If so much of this is theory. What are we so afraid of? I mean, even if we want to extend this, we won't for today's sake of the conversation, but if we extended the debate into evolution versus creationism, and it's all considered to be theory, why is one side so afraid, and it typically it's the evolutionist side, to engage in the dialogue regarding the theory on the other side? If this is all open to theory, then why can't people come together and reason together and have an adult-like dialogue? Sadly, it's probably because it simply doesn't fit the leftist agenda. Our conversation today with best-selling author Bay Area Weatherman, and he does something else occasionally. Brian Sussman with us tonight. His new book, by the way, as always, a page-turner. In fact, i got to tell you this story. Um, the appendix in the back, while not typically known to be a real spellbinder, is a page-turner in and of itself. So you got to get a copy of Brian's new book, Echo Tyranny, available by WND Books. You can get it at the World Net Daily website, as well as all the usual suspects, including Amazon.com. Back to more of our conversation with Brian Sussman as this edition of Lifeline continues.
1: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
2: The Sussman is with us tonight, best-selling author Brian Sussman. His new book, Echo Tyranny, How the Left's Green Agenda Will Dismantle America. It's interesting. There's so much of this frog-in-the-kettle theory taking place Mm -hmm. here, Brian. I mean, for example, we saw during the the Gulf oil spill uh, suddenly now an absolute paranoia to the point of moratorium on any further offshore oil exploration as if one accident in one area, as tragic as it was, was Mm -hmm. going to be sort of a preview of coming attractions. Fast forward to barely a year and a half, Fukushima nuclear power plant, A big mess there, and of course so much of it understood to be wrong plant built in the wrong location, not far enough away, not high enough seawalls, etc., etc. Now you know as much as we've seen not a single permit issued in the United States to construct a new nuclear power plant. Since 1973, coincidentally the time of Three Mile Island, it's like, okay, if you take oil away from us and you take away nuclear power, I'm sure at some point there'll be a hydro incident somewhere, you know, a dam will leak and suddenly, uh, you know, the town gets flooded. Oh, we can't use that. It's too dangerous. What do they expect us to ultimately do here if there's no viable alternative? And so far, wind and solar
3: have not proven themselves to be viable. That's a great point. So if we go back to candles to illuminate our homes... (laughs) Even candles kill over 100 people a year in this country because of the fires that are created. I mean, 100 fatalities a year because of candles. So there, there's risk with everything. Every technology has its risks. There's no question at all. But you're right. I mean, one of the things that I think is so important, 20 years from now, just based on census data, Craig, we will have 50 million more people in this country. That's Those are the facts. 40 years from now, there will be 100 million more people here. Okay, how are we going to accommodate these new residents? How are we going to maintain life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? How are we going to do that? Well, the environmentalists have an answer. It's very clear. Use less. Just take what we have. There will be no more. You are going to use less, period. Uh, I say, wait a second. That's that's crazy. Why can't we have – well, certainly we need more water. Thirty-six states are are facing critical water shortages. We need more dams, reservoirs, or desalinization plants – we're surrounded by 6,000 miles of, of shoreline. How about some desal? Uh, that works in other countries. Why can't we do it here? Just to maintain parity in our percentage of nuclear power going forward over the next 20 years, we need 200, excuse me, we need 100 more nuclear power plants, bringing our number up to 204. That's what we need right now. Uh, we need to exploit our oil and gas resources, and we need more available land. But again, in each one of these cases, The groups standing in the way of this progress, of this success, of these achievements, of this ability to pursue happiness are the environmentalists, all of whom at one level or another, do they not
2: stand to, if not um, as as a group, at least singularly benefit from moratoriums or changes in policies at one level or another?
3: Yeah, if they don't benefit personally, you know, there are those who, example, in the Silicon Valley, you know, where where we're broadcasting right now, are highly invested in, especially solar, but also wind. So the green agenda is helping them line their pockets for the investors, uh, you know, f- assuming some of these things are going to pan out. Although now, after Solyndra and a couple others, investors are running. They're not going there. But beyond that, the other the other investment, the other payoff for these people is an ideological payoff. You look around the San Francisco Bay Area. Let's just take, for example, uh, the peninsula. There is the Golden Gate National Recreation Area. It started with Alcatraz, and now it's grown into Marin County, San Francisco County, San Mateo County, and it's on its way to Santa Cruz. Tens of thousands of acres that have been bought up, cobbled together by a variety of different uh, sources, and now this land is going to be given to... Uh, the Golden Gate National Recreation Area, it will essentially be federalized. There will be no more development of resources. Humans aren't allowed on much of that property. Dogs, by the way, the environmentalists see dogs as an invasive species. Dogs will not be allowed on the property either. These types of scenarios of these monster land grabs are taking place all over the United States of America, the, the, the land then given back to the federal government. When the land's given back to the federal government, it's no longer available for development, including the exploitation or harvest of natural resources. So, for example, on the peninsula, what has that done? Well, it's sure made it an expensive place to live because there's not much available land for which the population could expand. But the environmentalists love that. See, it's a twofer. All right, we get to keep our land and we're going to force those people not to grow. They're going to be forced to have less kids. They're not going to have as big a house. It's going to be very difficult for them to maintain this lifestyle. So on those levels, they see those as personal victories, Craig. So rather than saying, let's
2: balance this out, we need higher taxes. Let's develop more real estate. With more real estate, we have more property taxes that we can collect and therefore sustain the growth of government. Instead, they say, no, we're not going to do that. What we're going to do instead is we're going to limit, and then by limiting the old law of supply and demand, okay, if there's Mm -hmm. only so many pieces of real estate available, then suddenly the price goes from $250,000 for a three-bedroom house on the peninsula to
3: $750,000, and along with it, what they're getting in taxes. Yes, And, and there's another element to this. You see, because at the end of the day... These utopians, and that's really what these, this green agenda is, it's this utopia society that they want to build, uh, they're anticipating us to have smaller houses because we will not only, not only be able to afford the real estate, but we won't be able to afford the electricity to power those homes. So they're anticipating a time, and it's coming to California next year, where we're going to have cap and trade employed. If you want to have the big house and the big energy bill, oh, you'll pay. You'll pay through the nose, and there will be fees attached to that, which will punish you further. And those fees, by the way, will be used to go into the general uh, general funds here in the state of California to pay for welfare programs. That's called sustainable development. So the whole idea is, well, you want to you have the lavish lifestyle? Well, if you can afford it, fine. Otherwise, you're going to pay, you're going to scale down, your lifestyle is going to be dumbed down, and at the end of the day... Forty years from now, they're anticipating life to revolve around contemplating your carbon footprint the way, you know, someone who's pretty bored contemplates their navel.
2: Is this also a case, Brian, in in your viewpoint where it's a bit of a – what at least to me appears to be a bit of a bait and switch in that as we talk about – class wars and the growing gap between the haves and Mm have-nots. If you listen to the folks, uh, you know, that are protesting even today, tearing apart downtown Seattle and other parts of the nation uh, tied in with Occupy, they would suggest that this is all uh, the capitalists, this is all Wall Street's fault, when in reality what you're saying is that there's another agenda kind of silently lurking in the background here that's also driving an awful lot of this, because let's face it, to the extremely wealthy, like Al Gore, sure. paying thirty-five thousand dollars a year to light and heat and cool your house is no big deal.
3: No, when he's gone from a net worth of two thousand, uh, two million, I should say, when he ran for president, two thousand to probably two hundred million, as I you know detail in Eco Tyranny today, uh, that's a big jump. He can afford it. Yeah, so we have to think of the vision that these people have for America. It's antithetical to what our founders had for America, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, a place where you can have liberty and freedom to do things, including own your own property if that's what floats your boat. But something you, you mentioned earlier that really fits perfectly into this portion of the conversation is you know most people put into the appendix of the book just, just junk that might support some arguments. I put a smoking gun in the back of this book, and that has to do with the Obama administration's proposed land grab. This is a secret document. It's kind of an interesting story how I was uh, was led on to find this, but it's a secret document that's secret no more. We scanned it. We put it in the back of the book, including some masterminds' scribbled notes. Folks, this is a plan. That the Obama administration's Department of Interior, via the BLM, the Bureau of Land Management, had to take over over 140 million acres of private property, take those resources, place them off limits, and for much of this property, don't even allow humans to walk or tread in any way, shape, or form. Now, come on, Craig. this. This this is Orwellian. This does not skew with what the founders had in mind for this country, especially given the fact that the founders didn't want the federal government to own any land. No,
2: that's right. And moreover, you know, if we are the government, we the people are the government, where do they think that we can get off by mandating or dictating that you can't step foot on this property that, in fact, you as a taxpayer
3: own? Well, and again, it goes back to that crazy theory that you know, humans are an invasive species in and of themselves, because the redwood tree, the snail darter, all of these different creatures were all the same, just the molecules and atoms arranged differently. That's how these extremists look at life. Well, that's a slap in the face to God. We human beings were created in his image. We're unique. We have feelings. We can love. We can cry. We can cherish. We have values. And and by the way, we can sin. Uh, we're unique to this world, and yet the left wants to make us exactly like the redwood tree.
2: Well, and when we come back, I want to have you share an example, one that many of us are familiar with, as Richard Nixon's Environmental Protection Agency, uh, some two years ago here in California, decided that there was some kind of a fish or salamander, I forget exactly what Brian will fill us in on all the details, that needed to be protected up in the Sacramento Delta. And the only way to do it was by shutting off the water supply to the San Joaquin Valley. Meanwhile, not only ruining literally tens of thousands of acres of perfectly farmable land, driving up the prices of fruits and vegetables and putting thousands of people out of work, and all of this for the sake of a little tiny fish that nobody even realizes existed. We'll take a time out, come back to more of our conversation.
1: And now, back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
2: Welcome back to the program. Best-selling author and meteorologist Brian Sussman with us tonight. His latest book, by the way, Eco-Tyranny, newly published by our friends over at WND, World Net Daily Books, available through the WND website at World Net Daily. You can also check out Brian's website at uh, briansussman.com, and uh, you can even order the book through the usual suspects, including Amazon.com, Eco-Tyranny. Part of that tyranny, as we've learned here in the great state of California, Brian, includes the idea that we would shut down water Mm -hmm. to the San Joaquin Valley. We would literally take tens of thousands of, of perfectly wonderful farmland dry them out so that they're useful to absolutely nobody, Uh, bankrupt farmers, put tens of thousands of people out of work, increase the cost of fruit and vegetable in what is arguably the salad bowl of the Western United States, all because we are trying to save a less than three-inch-long smelt that most people have never
3: seen or even heard of. A three-inch-long smelt that some would consider bait. I mean, yes, that's all. It's good for it's, This is an amazing story and an eco tyranny. Again, the first half of the book is the the history of the environmental movement. It's it's a rather academic read, uh, but I try to lighten it up with some stories, as you know, Craig, and provide just tons of footnotes. Over four hundred fifty footnotes at the day's end. Second half of the book are solutions, but in the solutions portion of the book, I do have a chapter entitled "Damn It," D A M it damn it because we need more dams reservoirs and desalination plants in this country and yet the environmentalists have never seen a dam they didn't want to tear down and what they're doing to the farmers in the state of California is horrendous folks you know we live in the state we recognize that this is the breadbasket of the world we are the our largest industry in California is agriculture and yet The state of California, the environmentalists, and the Department of Interior are allowing dams to withhold water from the farmers, or in the case of Siskiyou County, dams to be torn down. Folks, up in Siskiyou County, the dams are being torn down in the name of the salmon. Uh, These dams have been in existence for many decades. Farmers have been farming up that way with dams that they funded privately generations ago. This is over 200,000 acres of prime farmland that's been serving this country very, very well. And it's all going bye bye. I mean, it's a done deal. This land is going to go fallow. The farming communities up there are going to go bye bye. I don't know how we're going to make up for the food that's produced in these wonderful portions of California as well as in the Central Valley. But, okay. Craig, this goes back to something that was best articulated by Barack Obama's his science and technology advisor, John Holdren. John Holdren used to teach at Stanford. He taught at Harvard. He is a leftist thinker. He has said that a program must be put in place in North America to return America's pristine nature and de-develop the United States. De-develop the United States. That's what he wants to do. This guy's in the West Wing of the White House. He's the science advisor. D, develop the United States. You're
2: essentially saying what? That we need to engage in what effectively becomes a, a program, a,
3: a, a plan for, for genocide? Well, for the radical environmentalist, that's exactly what it means. Now, how they're going to get there, they'll never tell you. They'll, they'll, they always come back to this. Well, contraception and, and, uh, and abortion... And uh, having a one-child-per-family policy would probably be the best way to attain those population goals.
2: Well, and certainly the underlying message that we've seen kind of looming, just boiling kind of down below the surface over the last many Earth days, Mm -hmm. including the recent one here at the tail end of April, is the notion that the planet would just be so much better off if we eliminated humans.
3: Well, the radicals who want to de-develop America, including de-develop California, this entails you know, getting rid of the dams for, dams and reservoirs, for starters. Uh, this entails getting rid of the farmers and ranchers in, in rural America, as well as anyone who has a vacation home in rural America. And I know some are thinking, well, we, we've got a, a vacation place up in Tahoe, or there's a place up uh, near Truckee we use all the time, Brian. You're telling me that they want to dismantle that? Here's how they're going to do it in California. This is their plan. They want to make it so uncomfortable for people to live there in 20 and 40 years that they'll never go back. In other words, have so many wild bears roaming the wild, uh, roaming this, uh, the, the, uh, the countryside, have so many mountain lions, have so much wildlife that you will think to yourself, my gosh, I will never go there. It's too dangerous. Mm-hmm. That's how. That's one of the ways that they're going to do this. But again, they have all of these plans and these masterminds who are at the very center of this. One guy's has been a board member of the Sierra Club, been a board member of the Wilderness Society. Oh yeah, and he also he also founded an a uh, eco terror group called Earth First. They've actually killed people. Uh, this is Dave Foreman. He has proposed that at the end of the day, the optimal number of people on the planet should be about a hundred million. <laughs> If you ask him how we're going to get there, he won't tell you. But quite frankly, I don't really want to know because it's scary. Absolutely, it is. Let's uh, get a quick call in here. We're going to
2: go to uh, Lee in Palo Alto. Lee, come on in with your comment or question for Brian Sussman here on KFAX.
0: Hi, thank you, and thank you for all you do, Brian. You know, I wondered how do you cope with and how do you communicate with people that just have such a lack of common sense and and also the apathy on a part of so many that are so trusting in our society. All
2: right, very good question, because, Brian, let's face it, You know, while you have done an excellent job documenting the reasons and the science behind what you talk about in the pages of Eco-Tyranny, some people hear this and they think, oh, no, you're just trying to sell books. How, How can this possibly be? How do you go about educating people to understand, look, even when we talk about the next great earthquake, it's not a question of if it's a question of
3: when how do you make them understand it it really is amazing craig and this is a tremendous challenge because everything that we're talking about on this radio program as well as in the book eco tyranny sounds orwellian it just mm-hmm. people and they think no there's no way this could possibly happen people aren't that evil well guess what they are and when you look at the context this in the context of history you can see that waves of this has, have come and gone over the very many, many years that, this, uh, that humans have been on the planet. So it is bigger than life. I feel as if I've been called to this, to write these books and get this message out. Sometimes I feel as if I am a voice in the wilderness, because even those who support me and saying, okay, Brian, we get it, global warming's a scam, when I start talking about the, the red underbelly of the green movement, they want to back away because it just sounds too incredible. And yet, as you know, Craig, because you've obviously read the book, you've been asking such great questions for the last hour. I detail all of this, and and I use hundreds and hundreds of footnotes to make my case. And I will tell you, the people who agree with my premise that really this is a a plan that's been fashioned by leftist thinkers that are in some cases socialists and communists, the people who agree with me are the hardcore socialists and communists who have read this book and have contacted me saying – Boy, I can't believe a, a guy like you finally got it. The, the story is, is is finally
2: out. the the, the jig as the same goes mm-hmm. is up. And the irony yep. is Ed, to kind of answer your question uh, to a, a greater degree here, Lee, this idea that those who forget history are condemned to repeat it. what Brian has done is says he said, look, here is the agenda. In the outline of history, we go back to the 1800s, we go back to Marxist and Lenin's theory, we go back to their writings, we go back to their public statements. He takes us back to the early days of the Soviet Union when, quite frankly, the land grab and the green movement, other than the dates and locations being different. All of the other details will sound very, very familiar. And and I guess ultimately, Brian, that's the lesson of eco-tyranny. You take us back to move us forward, to take us to where we're at today with the warning that if we don't learn our history and take the time to connect the dots, uh, the situation that we're talking about here of trying to roll back the clock to the Stone Age is going to be upon us whether we like it or not.
3: And, you know, Craig, in closing, we had the founders of this country, they were wonderful, beautiful Christian people who literally gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honors for this country. America has been very, very good to my family. It's been good to me. I owe this to America. I owe this to God. I can't remain silent on these issues.
2: And, you know, that's a good note to end on, Brian, because ultimately for all of us as the body of believers, Christians who who want to make a difference, um, who are called upon to be salt and light, and certainly as much as that is in a spiritual and moral fashion— then too we recognize the stewardship responsibility that God has given us as caretakers of this earth. And let me be abundantly clear. Nobody is suggesting here that we ought to just go about, you know, use up all the resources you want, leave the lights on all day long, buy the biggest Hummer you possibly can, and and get a vehicle that you know measures mileage not in gallons to the mile, but miles to the gallon. Who cares? We're all leaving the planet soon anyway. No, we're not suggesting that at all. But what we're suggesting is that the agenda that is being promoted to us... By the left, by many in Congress, by those who personally will benefit from this economically. Hello, Al Gore. By the way, if you're listening, Brian Sussman still wants to debate you. Anyway, this is this is the plan that they have afoot. We have to be aware of it and recognize that part of the stewardship that we have also makes sure that we're protecting the planet and ultimately protecting the one thing and only thing that is created in God's own image and likeness, and that is very mankind himself. The book is called Eco-Tyranny, How the Left's Green Agenda Will Dismantle America, and yes it will if you don't get educated and sound out on the issue just as much as Brian has been willing to do so. The book, published by World Net Daily and available at bookstores throughout the Bay Area, plus you can check out more. Brian's got a great blog. He stays on top of not just this issue, but day-to-day news of interest to you related to this topic. Check out his website at briansusman.com. That's briansusman.com. And
3: Brian, as always, we appreciate the time and the education, my friend. Craig, you're a a good man and a great friend, and I also might say a very, very good interviewer. Thanks for the opportunity. Really appreciate it. I appreciate that. By the way, uh, good luck with the
2: continued successor with that little side hobby of yours. (laughs) Thank you, sir. All right. Take care. There's a very dear friend. Uh, Love the man. Love his work. Brian Sussman. Eco-tyranny